0: Welcome to Engineering Works, powered by the ACEC of Illinois. We'll be featuring the innovators, creators, designers, and engineers who are making engineering work in Illinois and reshaping our state.
1: I'm Haley Burns, co-founder of public affairs and public relations firm River Strategies and co-founder of Lincoln Forum, a Chicago-based public affairs event series. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Mason, Rebecca is the Managing Director of the Transportation for Illinois Coalition. We're going to talk about Rebuild Illinois, the status of where that is, and the projects that have come out of this funding. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. I want to start with kind of the beginning of Rebuild Illinois. We know that passed in 2019, and it was the largest increase in funding for the department really in track history. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's correct. So rebuild passed in 2019 after over 20 years of no real significant increase in revenue for the department's infrastructure investment. And just quickly, when we talk about the department, I should have also included local governments as well. So mm-hmm. local roads were included in rebuild. And The reason it was such a large increase was because we waited so long. Hopefully, we won't be waiting that long in between capital bills in the future. So hopefully, Rebuild will get to continue to be the largest increase in our history.
1: Mm. And to back up a little bit before we move on to hear about what that looks like over the last few years, can we talk first about why transportation, Rebecca? How did you find yourself as the director of this coalition?
0: yeah, so I grew up in the political process here in Springfield, so I've been around politics and policy making for my entire life. And what I find really exciting about the policy making process is how, especially at the state government level, we can enact uh, changes that really benefit people's lives. And I think transportation is sort of the epitome of that type of positive impact of government. Um, Every person's life is touched by transportation infrastructure. And when we do it well, when we invest adequately so that our engineers can build really good designs and so that our contractors can maintain the system and expand it when needed, we're really helping people live in the best way that they can. That's my passion for transportation. I got involved with TFIC, the coalition, back in 2012, essentially straight out of college. And I've stuck with it for most of my career and as well as doing some other side projects as well. But the coalition has really been something that I've stuck with since I started working. And I'm blessed that they've continued to believe in me and let me help run their organization and advocate for infrastructure.
1: Well, you have certainly then had a close look at what IDOT has been doing from your role there. Can you tell us what has it looked like over the past year with this kind of new, fresh, and finally substantial
0: funding? I wrote down just a few projects that I think are big regional projects that will have big impacts in their communities. I did want to say first, just rebuild was largely maintenance focused. So when I drive now to Chicago on I-55 and I can change lanes without worrying about if I'm going to fall in a little pit between the lanes mm-hmm. <laughs> like I used to do, that is also rebuild Illinois and at least for me personally, a huge benefit. But in terms of some of the most exciting projects, I highlighted just a few because I think that they really illustrate how good infrastructure and good design can tie communities together and make people safer. So in Springfield, Illinois, our capital, we've, uh, I believe, nearly fully funded the rail relocation project, which is combining tracks and moving them um, out of downtown, well, a little bit further out of downtown, which will be helpful in terms of uh, not being as disruptive to the downtown community. But I think more importantly about this project, it is replacing on grade crossings with separated crossings. So people who lived north of the tracks today have to cross on grade, which means when there's a train stopped, they're climbing between cars or struggling to figure out how to get around. If there's ambulances that need to go across the tracks, they can't do it. They have to reroute around and it becomes quite difficult. So I think the fact that we are able to sort of move the tracks is one thing, but the most important part is these really great overpasses for the tracks that are then designed in a way that keeps pedestrians safer. They have raised pedestrian walks so that the pedestrians are separated from the motor vehicle traffic and the motor vehicle traffic isn't going to be affected by rail delays anymore. Um, And that's just a nice example of how we can change uh, the way a city looks, but also make it work better for the people that live there. Mm -hmm. Um, Another exciting project that I thought highlights, again, a safety impact um, are the I-270 bridges in the Metro East. The current bridges have essentially no shoulder. So when there's an accident, which there is frequently because it goes from three lanes to two over the bridges, then it essentially shuts down traffic over the bridges and people have to either wait or reroute. And it's difficult for emergency responders, of course, to get on and off. With the new bridges, Uh, which we toured this past summer with some of the area legislators, they're going to add full width shoulders so that if there's an accident, emergency services can use the shoulders. People can pull over if they're able to move their car after the accident and traffic can continue without putting people in as much danger as it does today. And so I, I like that because we think of new bridges, obviously Replacing the bridge is really important. If the bridge needs to be replaced, we like to keep our bridges, of course, in good working order. But I think it's also important to note how advances in design of these uh, big infrastructure projects can, again, improve people's lives. And then, of course, with widening those bridges, adding lanes, the economic uh, trade, for lack of a better term, (laughs) between Missouri and Illinois that happens there can happen a little more smoothly Mm -hmm. because people, there's more capacity. And then finally, I think that of course, Chicago is hugely important. There's a lot of multimodal projects around the Chicago region, including some, some union station projects that have both state and federal funding to hopefully make transit work better. But I believe the Jane Byrne interchange has been, wrapped up finally, and that's been one that was started pre-rebuild, but Rebuild Illinois funding was able to speed that along, and that takes what was one of the most congested um, areas in the country, I think, and makes it work much more smoothly for everyone. Uh, Vehicle traffic can move through the city more easily, um, but also it, it helps with the the PACE buses and some of the transit access as well. And so I like those projects. I picked them. Obviously, they're from different geographic regions, um, but I liked those because they all illustrate how infrastructure can really benefit people's lives when we fund it adequately. Absolutely.
1: And it's so incredible if you really think about a year of infrastructure, experience this kind of funding and opportunity the widespread and incredible beneficial impact this is having on the lives of so many people. I think in infrastructure, that's something that is becoming more and more apparent, that these projects are well beyond a traffic issue and they are affecting people's lives in incredible ways. So it's so exciting to hear about. And I know, correct me if I'm wrong, Rebecca, that not only was this year, the highest dollar amount of funding, but it was also the highest percentage completed since tracking.
0: Am I correct in that? Yeah. So the coalition has been tracking IDOT as a way to show uh, taxpayers what they are doing with the money. Every year they release a plan for how they're going to spend their annual program. And then at the end of the year, at the end of the construction season, they release a report on what they completed and what they did not. So the coalition has been tracking that for a very long time. I don't have the exact dates, but well pre-rebuild. And this year was in terms of their, what we call their adjusted annual program, which is where they sort of revise takeout projects that might not be able to get done because they're taking a little longer to be approved or something and put in projects that are ready to get done a little sooner. And then they release that adjusted program. So looking at that, uh, this year was the highest completed dollar amount period, but also the highest percent of that adjusted program um, that IDOT has done since we started tracking. And I think I just want to say we would expect that they would be spending more money than they have because we've given them more money to spend. But I do think this percent completed is an important aspect too. It shows that that the department is hopefully at least staffing up and able to consistently put out this much larger program than they had been doing prior to rebuild.
1: Definitely. It is reflecting a sustainability and an efficiency that is, hopefully, will protect some of this funding because it's being executed well.
0: Yes, and because we went so long without a funding increase, the department, but also our friends in organized labor, the coalition has organized labor membership in addition to business membership, and also the contractors and the engineers, everybody had sort of staffed down to meet the the demand Created by the extremely historically low funding levels. And when we doubled the amount of funding available to IDOT in a single year, um, there was some growing pain around getting everybody staffed back up, especially at the department. But also, that happened around COVID. And so, there were some growing pains in the program, which I think illustrates the importance for policymakers, at least, of we need to continue funding this program consistently. Um, And then also, now that we're staffing up, hopefully we're going to see some some really impressive projects in the future. Mm -hmm. And to use your word, it's so impressive to reflect on the last
1: year and see what can happen with adequate funding, right? Would you agree?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I have to do a lot of driving and I like to take in the quality of the infrastructure while I'm doing that and sort of see where we are. And I am so relieved now every time I go to Chicago, I don't see traffic cones sitting in giant potholes over on the shoulder. I, I don't have to worry about the, the separation between lanes that used to happen where you weren't quite sure if that was going to be good for your tires. <laughs> we had many coalition members with flat tires in 2019 trying to come down to Springfield to advocate for funding where their tires just blew out on potholes. So I'm personally very excited about the fact that I can now drive around the state and we see a lot of construction and nobody likes to drive through construction, I know, but it's great to see the state really investing in itself. That's something that Illinois for a long time had a reputation for being the place nobody wanted to live and not being proud of State itself, at least in infrastructure funding, I think we have something we can be proud of and excited about the future. Absolutely.
1: And I I do have to say, Rebecca, there is some maybe looking back, we can enjoy the humor or the irony in um, (laughs) going to advocate for this and getting a flat tire on your way. That's a a good story. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, what can we look forward to? Certainly, the last year has been exciting and testament to what we can do with adequate funding. But what should we get excited about for the spring session?
0: Yeah, so looking to the spring uh, for this year, I anticipate we're going to be just wanting to make sure that our funding stays consistent. There may be some other small policy changes that the coalition supports, but we're going to be mostly focused on let's make sure that the promises made in Rebuild Illinois continue to happen the reason that's maybe a concern for the spring is it's an election year. It's a year where we anticipate some budgetary challenges for the General Assembly. And importantly, the General Assembly has had so much turnover that many of them were not in office in 2019. We passed rebuild. And so they never had an opportunity to fully understand the importance of investing in infrastructure And so that combination just means when faced with a difficult budget, possibly having to make cuts, they may go, well, why don't we figure out a way to sort of get around the constitutional amendment and increase our general revenues that are available by decreasing the amount of of transportation infrastructure capital being spent. There's some operations, for example, that the general revenue fund covers. And so... We're really focused on protecting that revenue. As I mentioned, consistent funding is vital to ensuring that the industry is able to keep staffed up and meet the demand of maintaining our system. So that's not super exciting, but that's the focus for this spring. And I would say we're also starting to lay the groundwork on about this question about how what happens after rebuild. So in rebuild... The primary source of funding is the motor fuel tax. That is obviously paid only by vehicles that purchase motor fuel. So electric vehicles don't pay a motor fuel tax. As an example, they do pay a slightly higher registration fee, but they're still um, about $100 short of what the average gas-powered vehicle pays to support our infrastructure. So that's something that When we're looking at the future today, there's only about 1% of vehicles that are electric on the road. Um, But we do want policymakers to understand as they think about really prioritizing investment in electric vehicle technology, which we think is a priority for at least some of them for this spring. We want them to understand that at some point there is a, a need then to look at how we fund infrastructure and make sure that electric vehicles are paying their fair share to support the roads that they drive on. So that's going to be sort of setting the table, I think, for a little while on that issue. But I do anticipate that we may see some legislation designed to really expand electric vehicle use, and the coalition will just have to take a look at um, how how to best educate policymakers and the public about the impacts of that legislation. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would mention for your listeners, because engineers are great at grassroots advocacy, so I don't want to lose an opportunity. I would just say that as you all are talking with the legislators that represent you at home or at work, I think it's important to continue to stress the value of consistent funding for Rebuild Illinois. We talk about this huge jump in funding, but that's because that was what was needed to get funding back up to where it would have been if if motor fuel tax had kept up with inflation. So this is money that's sort of already spoken for, that the department has plans for, and that we want to keep consistent so that the private sector and the department can all plan appropriately.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And really, right now, protecting that funding is probably at the top of the list because it's becoming incredibly apparent that this is really simply just adequate. This is what it needs to be at to be functioning and keeping everything in good repair.
0: Yeah. And for better or worse, because our funding is tied to motor fuel tax and because people really pay attention to gas prices, you know, I'm not sure whose idea it was to put the price as the big number on the sign. (laughs) We might regret that now, but for whatever reason, the public really pays attention to the price of gasoline. And given that it's an election year, I I do think we're likely to see some legislation filed to suggest rolling back the motor fuel tax to pre-rebuild levels. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it will go anywhere, but we are likely to see some of that as well. So either cutting on the revenue side or cutting by increasing expenses are things that that we could see.
1: Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned how important it is To remember that this is something that needs to be advocated for continually. And as engineers, we can do that and not assume that we're here to stay, I guess, making sure that it's always top of mind.
0: Yeah. And engineers are great about understanding the value of relationships with policymakers. When we were passing Rebuild Illinois, I was standing in the back of, behind the chambers, in the Capitol building on like Saturday at three PM, and we were calling engineers all afternoon, and they were texting or calling their legislators and connecting with them, and and some of them were delivering votes for rebuild just because of of the importance to the firm and the person's district. Uh, so, wow. we I don't want anyone to undervalue the important role that that individual engineers can make in advocating for good policy, especially because my background is government. (laughs) I'm not an expert in how to design roads, bridges, and legislators typically have similar backgrounds as mine. They're from the legal area or um, maybe a small business owner, and so they don't frequently have the expertise either in terms of how does an individual bill impact engineers it's really great to be able to have people who are the true experts in the field available to answer questions about how policy impacts them. And, Rebecca, with your background in
1: government, I want to ask a question we asked every guest, and really everyone has had such a different perspective. And you coming from where you stand as a leader in this coalition. What gets you excited about the next five to 10 years of this industry? From a personal standpoint, what are you looking forward to?
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching how the intersection of new technologies and sort of the old reality of having to get people around, how that plays out because i think we are going to see some huge infrastructure changes related to either electric vehicle or i've heard some talk about hydrogen power when it comes to semis for example and i think that that's going to change how we design our roads and bridges and our transit systems as we're we're looking sort of how we accommodate those new technologies so i think that's really exciting and i think The industry is doing a better job of taking into full account how people might be using infrastructure to sort of enhance their lives. So we're still building great, reliable systems to move people to work via car or transit. But I think we're also seeing a lot of opportunities where they exist to make a nice biking or walking area um, that can beautify a downtown alongside a, a road improvement. So it's just going to be exciting to see where all of, all of the new technology and, and hopefully with proper funding, we can really fully invest takes us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It does certainly feel like we're in the middle of maybe what might be
1: a leap, right? It does. And an advancement on <laughs> all of this. Like We're standing at the edge of it. Rebecca, I am so grateful that you took the time to talk to us today, and I know that the spring session is going to be really interesting, so we'd love to have you back after that to update us on what's been happening.
0: Sure, I would love to touch base, and thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Engineering Works. Listen and subscribe to the podcast on acecil.org or your favorite podcast platform.